Hello, I'm Mark, and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast, where we look at how researchers can become more productive and use their work to achieve real-world impacts. Today, I want to think about the support you can get from professional services staff to empower you for impact. I will be going to a university that I see as being at the cutting edge in professional support for impact. So whether you actually work in professional services or you are a researcher, there will be advice that can help you to get the help you need to take your impact to the next level. I don't have a tip for you this week because the main segment is slightly longer than normal and there's a lot of really useful stuff that I want to draw out of it. This week I went out of the studio and visited University of Leeds to talk to Jed Hall about he and his colleagues uh, and how they are supporting research impact. One of the things that's going to stay with me for a long time is Jed's experimental view of research impact, where you set up your impact goals like hypotheses uh, and then design your pathway to impact as an experiment, which of course you will learn from whether or not things actually go according to plan and you actually achieve impact. For me, I love how this view of impact takes the pressure off having to achieve incredible impacts. You're just trying different things out and learning from your mistakes. I also love the way that it engages with my sense of curiosity as a researcher, wondering what will happen as I start thinking out of the box and taking new steps towards impact. So let's hear what happened when I met up with Jed. So I'm really excited to be here at the University of Leeds today uh, for many reasons. This is my alma mater. I uh, did my PhD here, my first few jobs. I am a visiting professor here. But actually, the main reason I'm excited is because I am sitting here next to Jad Hall. Uh, and for me, this is an example of best practice in how to facilitate and empower people to achieve impact at the scale of a university. I love what University of Leeds does, the level of support and encouragement that it gives to its staff, and a lot of that is down to Jed. So Jed, just start by telling us uh, what your job role is um, and, and the part that you play in facilitating impact here at Leeds. Sure. Uh, So I work in organisational development and professional learning, which is a big title uh, in academia for really staff development. Um, So my role is focusing in on impact for academic staff, but I also support um, people in professional roles who are working with academic staff in in our various faculties. Uh, We now have nine, which is one less than than when I arrived uh, a few years ago. it really is there to kind of prov- try and provide motivation and really kind of help academics to look at impact and actually see it as something they can do rather than um, rather than just another choice or something they can do and something they're excited about. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in essence, if an academic isn't excited about achieving impact, then perhaps go and do the thing they are excited <laughs> about doing. Exactly, yeah. So when I started out... Um, 
when was it? 2005, I finished my PhD and I, I started on a project here at University of Leeds. Um, I'm not sure if they didn't have the level of services that we have now um, or if I just wasn't aware of it. Um, frankly, I was just sitting there terrified, <laughs> trying to work out, OK, so now we need to have policy impact and work with business. And I got no idea how. Um, and I spent a lot of time panicking, to be honest. Um, uh, so I had the motive, um, but I had not got the skills. Um, I certainly hadn't got the, the confidence uh, to do it. Um, uh, if I were coming to you today, that, that PhD student saying, I need to have an impact somehow, I, I want to, but I'm not quite sure how, uh, tell me what you would say to me um, uh, and just give us an example of the, the, the kind of things that people listening to this uh, might be able to, uh, to ask uh, and the kind of things that they might be able to get help for in institutions like Leeds. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting that you describe it as come to me and ask, because that's exactly what we do. Um, so we try and avoid putting on large workshops. Um, we do do that, but that's really just to advertise uh, our services. You know, we, people see workshops, it's sometimes easier to come along. They can see who you are, build a relationship with you. But then we're really looking for people to come to, to, come to us and say individually or in small groups working on a one project together to kind of say we've got this idea for impact but we we don't know or we're not sure or we're, which which is the best way to achieve that and that that for me is a perfect start to to a conversation because really um, I guess my role is just to help kind of reflect back that aspiration so the person comes with an aspiration they're often overruled by it you know, just like you were, you know, I want to have this impact on business or on policy, but that feels like too big for me as a, as just a lowly PhD student. Uh, and really what our role is, is to give them the confidence um, just to take that tentative first step, just to try. Uh, and if it doesn't work, that's fine. You know, it's, it's not that we've destroyed the world, um, just like when we have impact, we haven't really super stupefyingly change the world you know we it's it's unlikely we'll do either of those uh, complete doctor who yeah. uh, uh, levels of expectation um, so really what we're looking to do is just encourage people to take that tentative first step with a bit of guidance mm -hmm. you know maybe you want to try this you know if it's policy explore where your uh, where various MPs might have an interest uh, get in touch with an all parliament parliament parley all party parliamentary group and look at who's the secretariat for that mm. get in touch with them because they're, they're probably less scary than going direct to the chair of that group maybe look to see uh, which lords uh, uh, have expertise in this area maybe had a career in that area and that's why they are a lord mm. uh, and kind of go you know I've got something of interest for you something that we resonate together um, do with it what you will uh, and hopefully with my with my walking hand in hand with me as the researcher and we can we can go where we uh, where it takes us so yeah, I think one of the things that, that I take from this is is the way in which it is a relationship that that you are holding events in order to build relationships with people uh, so that they trust you and that they then actually approach you and ask for that help and it's partly about giving people the skills, the expertise, the knowledge, but also just kind of being there with them through the, the journey. Uh, I wonder uh, what 
are some of the things, uh, some of the other things that, that researchers can ask for help for? What are the things that they probably can't or shouldn't ask for help for? Um, give me some of the, 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 the more, more colourful, unusual things you've been asked to help for, perhaps, but, but also some of the run-of-the-mill things. Uh, because I think very often, uh, so I certainly, as a PhD student, wasn't aware that there were people who could help me. And I think a lot of researchers are out there struggling in a way, panicking silently, thinking that, you know, feeling that you're out of your depth. And, and actually, there are a whole lot of people with a lot of expertise who actually are there and want to help. Well, I think the whole landscape of impact requires a whole range of different skills uh, and you know depending on the type of impact you know we we're kind of narrowing down that subset of skills that you may need so so really I'm, I'm kind of an impact generalist I'm not an expert I don't have expertise in commercialization although I know the general process I don't have deep expertise in policy although I know aspects of the process I don't have deep understanding of cultural impact but I have an understanding of the process. Um, but what I do tend to know is that I'm in an internal broker to people who have that much greater detail. So I know who the commercialization experts are in that sector. So if you were looking at health, uh, a health innovation, I know the people you need to talk to. If you're looking at an innovation in a different industry sector, then I know them. And, and then vice versa, you know, if, I, if you're looking at uh, cultural impact within a museum or within a, um, a large cultural organisation like that compared to a community group, say, who has very little available resource, then, you know, that's a different skill set. Mm -hmm. So I know the people you need to talk to or I know the people who've done it. So it might not necessarily be somebody in a support role, it might just be another academic who's gone through that process with a similar organisation. So I think what I'm taking from this is, ask. Don't be frightened to ask whatever it might be, because the chances are you know someone somewhere who has the skills or has been through that, been there, done that, who may well be able to help. And yes, every now and then you might come up against a, a dead end, um, but chances are you will be able to help, and it's better to ask uh, and get that help than to, to be shy and, and to expect that you have to do it uh, all yourself. Um, of course, not all universities have the same level of resource as uh, University of Leeds does. And I think the other thing that, that strikes me about what you're saying is that uh, you are what I would describe as a knowledge broker. So you are someone who sits in between multiple different networks of people who don't all know each other, but you know all of them. Uh, and usually there is someone, very often in your university, sometimes not in your university, uh, very often there'll be someone in a role like you uh, who is therefore easy to find. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's just uh, an academic who you have to identify and, and take out to coffee. Um, but, but these are people who are accessible, they speak your language, and if you can identify these knowledge brokers, then they can shortcut you to the people that you need to, to help you. Um, I'm not sure um, in, in Leeds how this works. Um, a lot of universities have academic impact champions um, in the UK as well as uh, professional services staff uh, who help with uh, more of the technicalities. Um, uh, and this champion role is it's called different things in different universities, but it is uh, in some ways the motivational thing um, uh, where you've got other academics who 
have been there, they've done that, they understand the pressures, they understand the challenges, they can advise you, uh, but also inspire and, uh, and motivate you. Uh, and whether or not they've got a title on their head uh, or not, uh, there will always be people out there uh, who you can reach out to who, uh, who have that expertise and that, that motivation and who can mentor you. Uh, and certainly in my experience, um, I've approached a number of people through my career and I've asked them to mentor me, whether formally or I've just reached out and I've just kept coming back and asking the questions and they've turned into mentors. Very rarely does a mentor slam a door in your face and say, no, the problem is that we very rarely actually get the guts to ask someone to, to, play, to play that role. I think that's a really good point, Mark. I mean, very, we're all human and we all like to be asked um, especially if that ask is about something that I might be an expert in because it, it does appeal to your ego not in a not in a um, overblown sort of way but it does you know if somebody comes to you to ask for support it, it they've recognized you they've they've noticed that that is possible that you could provide that uh, and you know I find that uh, a happy situation and I think most people do um, and that's why asking the question um, is the best thing you can start with um, it isn't trying to solve everything on your own you know every, but nobody nobody when they're asked to be an mentor expects to just deliver all the answers for everyone so you have to be willing to um, provide the the kind of starting point this is what I've thought so far can you help me refine that and that's that's uh, what you're looking for when somebody does come with please can you ask uh, please can I ask you for help that they've actually gone through and kind of started to maybe not completely crystallize exactly what they need but have a have some level of understanding of the context uh, uh, and all the different questions and then the conversation with the mentor really starts to crystallize that down into so this is what I need and this is what I need to go and do and this is who I need to help. Yeah so I think if there is uh, a no-no, uh, an area which is off limits, it is when you go to that mentor, that person in professional services or whoever it is and you say so I want you to do all the things for me that will deliver my impact um, and, uh, uh, and sadly that is not how things work and, and the reality is that you are the expert, you're the one doing the research uh, and you need to gain the skills that you need and work as a team with other people who have those, who have those skills but ultimately you are responsible for the impacts that you achieve from your research and the role of mentors, uh, impact officers, whatever person there is that you have mm. to help you is, is to facilitate you to achieve that. Mm. I'd like to flip this um, on its head a moment, if I can. And um, I'm assuming that some of the people listening to this do have some expertise uh, in impact. If nothing else, they've been listening to all of my podcasts. So. <laughs> um, but you feel like you've got something to offer. Um, and actually, increasingly, perhaps people are coming to you and asking you for help. You've been a few places, done a few things, and people are now coming and saying that they want to be put in touch with your contacts. They want some help, some advice, you to look over something that they've written. Um, what advice do you give, um, first of all, to your staff um, within professional services, but also then to academic mentors and champions and others who, uh, who need to be able to empower, equip uh, and motivate others to achieve impact? And what advice can you give to people that really want to be able to give back to more and equip their colleagues more effectively? I think the most important thing is to 
recognise that level of apprehension that may be in the in the mind of the person initial asking for help, apprehension over the scale of what impact could be in their eyes. Um, one thing that a lot of researchers suffer from is that they see impact on a 25, 30 year time horizon. You know, I'm going to uh, solve climate change, I'm going to cure cancer, you know, those um, actually unrealistic and impossible to achieve um, uh, levels of impact. Um, and, and in some ways, that that means any mentor needs to kind of scale back, make it small steps, make it about what is the next thing that the person could do to move forward on that journey, not not about you know that end point in 25 30 years time where we've got the new drug or we've got the um you know the silver bullet for climate change yeah i found the same thing one of the most demotivational things i think is sometimes looking at other people you think it's the opposite but actually you're so terrified by the thought that you could ever do that that you just think well you know what it's so unrealistic i might as well not even bother trying Mm. and one of the things that, that i sometimes wonder is is whether um you can evaluate impact in in two ways in relation to its reach and in relation to its significance Um, and one of the things that I suggest to people is well start with the significance try and find something that is meaningful to someone other than your mom um, that they will say this 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 means something this is this has benefited me it's changed something that I care about Um, and if you can do that on the scale of one person or one village, one town, one sector, one company, whatever it is, um, then at that point start to think about scale. Uh, And very often I think that when you start to think about things small scale as you describe, then you begin to think, well, okay, maybe this is possible, maybe this is achievable, and with your current skill set, with your current level of confidence, you can actually begin to visualise those first steps, especially if you've got someone like you suggesting what those first steps might be, and it becomes achievable. Uh, And actually, once you then have taken those first steps, you've gained so much confidence that actually dreaming big becomes a lot easier. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. To kind of use uh, um, the policy analogy, you know, if, if you if you think about actually trying to change policy, government ministerial level, you kind of go, oh, God, getting to these people is really difficult. But then when you think, well, actually, there are 650 MPs in Parliament. It's only 650 people. I have to try and find someone, one of those 650 people, who is passionate enough about the same topic that I'm passionate enough about that they're willing to ask a question in Parliament which may start the process of changing that policy direction. So it's kind of thinking what's that initial first step? Well the initial first step is just trying to find out what are those things that are passionate about that you're, you know, the, all those 650 MPs are passionate about right now at this moment and that's that's just a desk-based research topic, though. Yeah, I love it. Um, what about more, I would say, negative, perhaps constructive feedback? Um, uh, because I think very often, especially when it comes to, to written material, I'm, I'm regularly asked to give people um, constructive feedback. And if you think that someone is going down a dead end, if you think that they're doing something that is potentially going to waste a lot of their time, um, how do you go about giving that kind of constructive feedback to people in ways that, that empowers them rather than mm. dispirits them? Yeah, I think 
sometimes what I find when when I'm reading a grant application, which in the UK requires us to kind of almost define a, uh, a an impact goal in the impact summary, and and then a plan to get there in the pathways to impact. Sometimes what you find is that the impact summary is this big, shiny, ambitious, uh, an amazing thing, but the there's nothing obvious in the pathways that is the logic diagram that gets us to that big shiny change of of the world um and and that's that's often quite easy um uh feedback to give because you first thing you ask is how does that get us to that so you mentioned the word the phrase logic diagram can you explain what you mean by that and other other tools that that you use when you're giving feedback to people that that might empower others to give feedback to their colleagues more effectively too yeah so what i mean by a logic diagram is that um i guess there's there's a thought through um process so i'm kind of thinking from a th- kind of theory of change model uh, but there's a thought through process we know where we want to get to uh, and if we then think logically about what are the steps to get us to there. So that, that in essence, is is the logic diagram. Sorry to use the kind of terminology. Um, so what what I like to see is that there's a, between the impact summary and the pathways to impact, which is what I have to comment on a lot, that there's a, there's a clear, that explains how I get to there or gets us closer to there if it's impact that's, beyond the term of the project which it it is required to be uh we talk about that in the uk um and then getting getting people to think about that i say um so look at how you've written your research objectives now isn't your work plan how you get to those research objectives so it's exactly the same analogy in, in impact language so we're trying to strip out those different languages and just say it's exactly the same process define the goal how do I get there I love that I think what's really powerful about that is that we as researchers are taught how to come up with research goals research questions research objectives but we're not taught how to do that for impact um, and what is really powerful about what you're suggesting is you're just taking the exactly the same skills that you use day in, day out, and you're simply applying it to impact. And you've got now a clear impact goal and you know what you want to achieve with whom. And now you're having a, a clear, logical process to then systematically achieve each of those goals as far as you possibly can. And I think just putting it into those terms means it's much less scary for people. It's not a new scary thing. It's just what we always do, but we're just applying the same skills to uh, a new object. Yeah, that's right. And it also helps people to to think about impact as an experiment rather than a, uh, rather than a, a commitment. So when you're writing when you're writing the grant application, you're hoping you'll deliver on those research objectives and you try your very hardest to deliver them. But if the research fails, the research fails, and, and that's a natural part of uh, of the world we live in, and, and the research we're we're undertaking or supporting. Um, so having that same mentality with your impact uh, ho- hopefully helps break down the apprehension of taking that first step, but also sees it as uh, if I take that first step and it didn't work, why not? You know, it's that 
uh, and therefore what can I do differently? What can I learn from that impact experiment to, to apply to my next chance? Yeah, I really love that. What a beautiful way of thinking about it. Uh, in some kind of higher risk research applications where there's a, a fairly good chance something's not going to work, I will actually, in the application, come up with a plan B so that the reviewers know that if this thing doesn't materialise, doesn't happen, then there's still going to be some data to collect. Yeah. Um, uh, and equally, I've had projects where I've had a plan A and a plan B, and they both failed miserably. <laughs> uh, but somehow you learn from your mistakes, and yeah. uh, and you come up with something, and uh, and actually you still manage to salvage something at the end of that. And um, and I think it can be quite nerve wracking when you set out and actually say to the world, "Now I am going to achieve X, Y, and Z." Uh, and you wonder, will I be held to this? Will I be held to account? Uh, and actually just viewing it as an experiment and accepting that you, know, you can never tell how things are going to work, mm. but what you can do, you can guarantee, is that you're going to learn from it and you'll learn something really interesting and have that curiosity, that same curio curiosity you have about your research topic for the impact process and what works and what mm. doesn't work and why, if it doesn't work, didn't it work? So we could do something different. And I think if, if we could all apply that same sense of curiosity to impact as we do to our research, then, then it would be a lot easier and a lot richer, I would suggest, as well. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly the way we ought to approach. Um, I don't know whether the, the, the analogy of the coin is the right thing, but research on one side and, and impact on the other, they're that close to each other in terms of the skills we need to, to apply. And, and as you say, the curiosity, just the, the willingness to try. Yeah, and I think if you have a logic model um, or logic diagram, but that logical approach where you've got a goal, you've got a series of steps you're going to follow to reach that goal, you can then start to put times on it and resources and people, and you can start to now integrate that into your research plan along with work package X and Y and uh, what each of your different postdocs might be doing or uh, in your, <coughs> your PhD process uh, along with this chapter I'll be doing this and by the end of year two I'll have achieved that and you can begin to start planning and that's what starts and I make it concrete and turn what might have been just an aspiration or something that you're worrying about into a concrete reality that oh. is actually likely to, to happen. Um, the Fast Track Impact website has lots of uh, tools on it. One of those tools is, in fact, uh, a logic model. Um, the Fast Track Impact Planning template is based on this idea of a theory of change or a logical framework analysis, uh, and it encourages you to come up with that impact goal and then to trace that all the way through. Uh, I think the thing that most academics I work with find hardest about this is actually coming up with a clear goal. But what virtually no one struggles with is coming up with someone, at least anyone, that is interested in one aspect of our work. Uh, and if you can work out who that person is and why they're interested and what they might benefit from that, then you start to get a sense of what your goal is. And you can then start to identify activities that you can do with those different people around their interests. Uh, and you can identify indicators that will tell you whether or not your activities are working, whether you're moving away or towards uh, your, your impact. You can identify risks, you can put people on the task and you make stuff happen. Uh, I do this pre-award, uh, if I can, uh, admittedly. Um, last project uh, one I put in, I did do this pre-award, I had time. The one before that I didn't. Um, what can you do? Uh, but for me, it gives you a level of reality and detail that means that you're then making a plan that, that is credible and that your funders view uh, as, as being credible as well. 
And if you're someone who wants to help others to achieve impact, then I think tools like this can be a really helpful way to structure a conversation. So you want to have an impact. You don't know quite what it is that you want to achieve, but who is it that you think might benefit? What are they interested in? And then use that template as a way of structuring that conversation so that at the end of it, you have someone who leaves with a really clear and structured plan who can go away and do that. And, and that really is now facilitating and empowering your colleagues to achieve change. Uh, I'm going to finish it there. Um, Jed. As ever, I love hanging out with you, love being here in Leeds. Um, a real pleasure listening to you and learning from you today. I feel I've learned a lot. I hope those of you listening to this have learned a lot as well. Thanks. Mark, uh, as you said, as ever, it's a pleasure to, to be involved. And um, yeah, I don't just want to help uh, people here at Leeds. It's great to try and help those beyond Leeds have, a, have an impact because there's a lot of gr- brilliant minds out there and I want to see them used to the best best chance for humanity absolutely that is 100% my vision we're meant to be finishing the the interview now but absolutely there are so many talented people out there uh, who may or may not want to achieve impact Um, for those of of you who who are out there who want to achieve impact there are people like Jad like me others out there who want to give you the skills to give you the confidence for those of you who are out there just pursuing uh, curiosity uh, whatever it is it is that motivates you to achieve impact uh, my message to you is that there are incredible things out there for you if you start to engage in the impact agenda that can actually fuel that sense of curiosity that can enable you to do more and better research that will actually reinvigorate you and bring back new life and inspiration into into your your research area. Uh, And if we can achieve that through things like today, Jed, uh, then, hey, step by step together, we can indeed make the world a better place. Thank you. As ever, I like to try and draw out a couple of actions that you can take from today's episode that you can apply during the week. There are just two things I want to draw out today. The the first is Jed's point that you just have to ask for help. There are people out there who have trodden your pathway to impact before you, who have the connections and the relationships with the people and organisations you need to connect with if you want to achieve impact. More often than not, those people are actually really happy to give you information, look over material and introduce you to their contacts. You just have to take that step and introduce yourself to them and ask for help. Now, of course, that can be hard because it takes courage, it takes humility to admit that we need help. Often, these people are more senior in their career to us, and it may feel somewhat uh, uncomfortable. I like to suggest what Jed said is entirely accurate, that the vast majority of the time, for good or for ill, whether motivated by ego or a genuine sense of wanting to give something back to a new generation of researchers, Most people, when asked to give advice or even mentor a colleague, will usually say yes. So take that risk and ask someone this week for something that can help you achieve impact. Now, for those of us on the other side of this, people who've got experience, expertise and connections, I want to ask you how you can make yourself more available and more accessible to your colleagues. Now, this, of course, includes me. 
I want to be as, as accessible as I can to as many people as possible and to enable people to learn from my experience and from the people I interview through this podcast. But you can reach out to me uh, directly and there's a good chance, especially if you go via a direct message on Twitter at Prof, at Prof or my PA, whose email address is on the Fast Track Impact website, that I will, in fact, be able to help you. Who knows? So how can you make yourself more available? For example, by giving an internal seminar or via a blog or social media where you can explain, at least to those in your network, the different ways you might be able to help others. As part of this, you clearly need to manage expectations and make it clear that if you're too busy, then you may not always be able to help. Point is, you don't have to say yes to everyone, so this doesn't have to take up any more time than you are prepared to give. You can be, be selective, and very often you'll find that there are people who are highly motivated and who with just a small nudge, a single piece of advice, one connecting email, are suddenly now able to make a step change in their impact because of you. The satisfaction of seeing these people achieve impact in areas that you care deeply about will be payment enough. So two actions, reach out and ask for help and think about how you can make yourself more available to help others on their pathway to impact this week.